All right, you got this. You're better than those elderly people that played last few weeks. All right. Um, all right. Yep, we're doing good. We're doing good. Uh, are you serious? Hmm. All right, if you don't succeed first, try, try, try again. Here we go. Let's try it again. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's do this. You got this. You played this when you were young, man. You, you got it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. You're playing in front of everyone. I died again. All right. Uh, third time's the charm. Let's go. Come on, come on, come on. Let's do this. <sighs> Bad water. And I died not once, not twice, but three times today. Isn't that great? Kill the student guy three times, right? Like, how dare them? Hey, it is so good to see you. Welcome here today. I'm so excited that you're here. If we haven't met, my name is JJ, and I have the privilege to lead our student ministry here. And um, I've got a question for you, and this is a participation question, so I need you, if you're at Lenexa or Speedway, to raise your hand. If you're online, just say, that's me. All right, you ready for it? Here's my question. Have you ever had a moment where you just said out loud or thought, I don't know what I'm doing. Show of hands. Anyone ever said that? Okay, great. I'm so glad that I'm not the only one that's ever thought that or said that. In fact, this past summer in June, my wife went on a four-day work trip to Tulsa. Now, this was her first trip away from, uh, from the kids, so she left those kids with me for four days by myself, and um, we had a great, great time, and I actually have a picture of my kids. They're so cute. Look at them, oh yeah, they're so beautiful. Don't worry, they're, they're not as innocent as they look. You'll find out in just a second. But um, uh, she goes on this trip and on Thursday, we, we looked into our fridge and I, looked, I was like, man, we need some groceries. And so I told the kids, we're gonna go get groceries tonight. And so we went to the grocery store, we bought vegetables and fruit, we bought a steak so I could cook on my big green egg, and then we bought these things called Zollipops. Zollipops are these sugar-free candy that are supposed to be good for your teeth. The dentist approves them. So I was like, okay, you know what? I don't really want you guys buying uh, candy all the time, but we can get these. So we bought everything. We paid for it. We went home. We had dinner, and then we went to sleep. And this is where the story like, takes a turn for the worse, because on Friday, we woke up. We went to the zoo, had a great time at the zoo, came home for lunch, had lunch, and dad was tired, of course, right? Like, because I've been watching these kids, and I'm like, man, you guys wore me out. So you know what, guys? It's time for quiet time. Go to your rooms. Don't do anything. Stay there. I'll come get you in a couple hours after I wake up from my nap. You guys got it? And they're like, yes, dad, we got it. They apparently did not get it. Because during quiet time, here's what they did. They, they walked downstairs. My daughter, who is like the, the leader of all this, pulls out a stool, gets up on the stool, gets on top of our fridge, pulls down the Zollipops. And then when I wake up, I walk down the stairs and I'm noticing, I'm like, this place looks horrible. And they're sitting there with, with not one, not two, but four Zollipops in their mouths. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? I, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not gonna worry about it because they're sugar-free. Everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> so that night, we decided that it was time to eat dinner, and I asked my daughter, I said, what do you wanna have for dinner? She said, I want some chips and salsa, Dad. I was like, great. We're going to the Mexican restaurant that we love, and so we get in the car, we're traveling. My son's kind of a little bit grumpy, and I'm like, it's okay. So we get there, we walk in the door, and I look at the, the person that's gonna host us, and all of a sudden, my son just goes all over me. And I'm like, ugh, like, this is gross, right? Because if there's one thing I can't handle, it's throw up. 
It is. I'm like, you just threw up all over me, not once, but he did it again. And so I looked at the host and I was like, hey, I'm sorry. You're going to have to clean this up. We're leaving. We're going home. So we got back into the car. And as we get in the car, I called my wife and I said, hey, babe, here's what happened. And I tell her what happens. And then she had the audacity to tell me, babe, everything's going to be fine. You got this. And in my mind, in that moment, I'm like, I don't got this. It's not fine. This kid just threw up on me two times. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And so I said back to her, I said, hey, sweetie. She's like, well, what do you want me to do? I said, babe, come home. Come home. Like, cut, cut it short. And my beautiful bride, the one that I love the most, the one that promised that she would be there no matter what was going on in my life, she didn't come home. She called my mom. And I'm like, no, why'd you call my mom? Because my mom calls me and she's like, hey, you got this. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't got this. And everything's gonna be fine. And as she's saying this, Ella yells, dad. And I'm like, mom, I gotta go. Leave me alone. Don't call me back. I love you. I'll see you soon. Thanksgiving probably. And so I ran up the stairs and I found out that my daughter was also sick too. So I literally, in that moment, I, I broke down. I cried. I didn't just like cry little tears. I was like bawling my eyes out crying because I was so overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do. And you know what? There are many families today that find themselves in a similar situation. And I'm not talking about a situation where you don't know what to do with your kids being sick. I'm talking about a situation that you're so overwhelmed with that you just throw up your hands in the air and you say, I don't know what to do. That's why over the last four weeks, we've been diving into the book of Proverbs. Because the best thing for us to do when we don't know what to do is to look to God and ask God, what do you want me to do? Because when we look to God and we say, God, what do you want me to do? What he does is he gives us wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I need some wisdom, especially when it comes to the family. And we need wisdom because Solomon actually reminds us that when it comes to the family, he says this, he says, by wisdom, a house is built and through understanding it is established through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. We need wisdom because what builds a house, what builds up a family? Wisdom. So today I wanna talk to you about one choice that I believe every family needs to make that will influence whether you build your family on the foundation of wisdom. Now, before we jump in, I know what some of you are thinking because some of you are like, well, I don't have kids. I'm single. I'm a student. Um, we're married. We don't have kids. And hey, by the way, we're already out of that season of our life. So I can rest on this one and pull out my phone and, and make sure I set my fantasy football league because the Chiefs play later tonight. Like we're, we're thinking that, but let me just go ahead and say this. This choice is important for all of us to make. It's a choice that we don't just make one time, it's a choice that we make continually. So if you're here today and you're a middle school student or a high school student, I believe that this choice, that if you will make this choice now, it will actually set a foundation for the rest of your life and it will influence everything else. If you're here and you're single, what it's going to do for you is if you make this choice, it's gonna not only influence how you date, but who you date. 
You're gonna save a lot of time and regret from not dating those people that you shouldn't be dating. If you're here and you're married without kids, let me go ahead and tell you, it's going to set you up for success when you actually step in and begin to have kids and our parents. And if you're here today and, and you call yourself an empty nester, meaning you don't have kids here, let me just go ahead and say, this will influence the legacy that you leave. So I wanna to talk to you about one choice, and the one choice I wanna to talk to you actually comes from the very beginning of the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, this is what we find that Solomon says. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. To fear the Lord, according to Derek Kindred, he says, is not about a right mindset, it's about a right relationship. So to fear the Lord doesn't mean that we have to walk around this earth walking on eggshells when it comes to God. When it comes to the fear of the Lord, it literally means that we place God at the right and proper place in our life, which is at the center of our life. So the choice that every family must make is to choose the center of the family. And the good news for us today is that we get to make that choice. However, we need to understand that this choice is so important because our families will reflect whatever is at the center of our family. In fact, Solomon puts it this way in Proverbs 27, verse 19. He says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. As, in other words, what he's saying, as Water reflects the face, so one's checkbook reflects the center of the family. As water reflects the face, so one's calendar re reflects the heart of the family. So you see, we have a choice to make, but everything from that choice, whatever we place at the center of our family will flow out of that choice. It's kind of like this wagon wheel that I have. This wagon wheel, you notice, has a, has a center, and then it has spokes, and then it has this outer realm that you see out of the center flows the spokes that connect it to everything else. Now, if you want to get the actual wagon wheel to go, you have to connect it to something. There's something that's connected to the center of the family. So my question for us to consider today is simply this, is what is at the center of your family's wagon wheel? Like for some of us, if we're really just honest and I believe this about you, you could honestly say that God is at the center of our family. However, if there's some of us here that maybe it, it isn't God, maybe it's education. Now, let me say this real quick before you keep your kids home on Wednesday nights and say, don't ever listen to this fool ever again. All right, like, let me say this about education. I hope that your kids get a great education. And I'm not saying that education's bad. But what I am saying is this, is that whenever education becomes the center of the family, what ends up happening is that the family prioritizes something. And what it prioritizes is getting good grades. And if you're a teenager here today, get good grades, do your best. You're supposed to do everything unto the Lord. So do your best in getting good grades. However, the problem when we have education at the center and the problem with prioritizing getting good grades is that there's a pressure that is placed on our families to perform. 
Because if we don't get good grades, then what ends up happening is we're not gonna get into Harvard. And if we don't get into Harvard, then we're not gonna become the president of the United States. And if we don't become the president of the United States, then oh my goodness, our world's gonna go crazy. And it's never gonna be fixed. And I know that seems really silly, but it's, but it's what is that? That's called exhausting. And that's the problem when we place something like education at the center of our family. Maybe it's not education. Maybe it's sports. Again, I know what you're thinking. Like, is he really going there? Like, does he know what I do? I'm about to go do? Yeah, like, hey, listen, like, I know, I'm going there. And I'm not going there because I think sports are bad. In fact, if it wasn't for sports, I'm not getting a college education. So I'm, I'm a pro sport, I'm like, hear that. But the problem is that when sports become the center of our family, what ends up happening is that the family prioritizes winning at all costs. We just gotta win all the time. And if we don't win, then there's, there's this like, oh my goodness, we didn't win today, so you did a bad job. And then you're like, oh, I did a bad job, so I must be bad. So there's some shame that can come out of this when sports is at the center of our family. And really, ultimately, the problem with having sports at the center of our family is that if we're not careful when winning at all costs becomes our priority, sports takes all our money, all our time, all our energy, so maybe it's sports, or maybe it's money, 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 money. Maybe that's what it is for you. Money's not bad. It isn't. Like we, we, it's like you need money to, to buy certain things and do certain things. But the problem is this, is when money becomes the center of our family, what we begin to prioritize is work. And when we prioritize work over anything else in our life, what ends up happening is that everyone becomes overstimulated, overstressed, overworked, overwhelmed, and overseen. All because money's at the center of our family's wagon wheel. So is it money? Or maybe it isn't money. Maybe it's fear. And, and I'm, I promise you, there's probably a, a real good reason why you're fearful of what you're fearful of. And I would never invalidate that today. But the problem is this, is that when fear becomes the center of your family, when you place it at the center, what ends up happening is that control becomes what you prioritize. Because in order for me to overcome my fear, I have to control what you do. So hey, kids, you better do what I say, not as I do, because if you don't do what I say, then you're gonna be grounded for 30 years of your life. Or hey, you better not touch my remote. Because you know the problem isn't what's on, it's what else might be on, right? Like it's, it's, there's a problem. And so maybe fear is at the center of your family's wagon wheel. Or maybe it's whatever is hot. Here's what I mean by this real quick. When I say whatever is hot, I I'm, I'm, I'm literally mean whatever seems urgent in the moment. 
Whatever seems urgent on Facebook, whatever seems urgent in the news, whatever seems urgent in the moment. Here's the problem with placing this at the center of your wagon wheel is that literally when you do this, you prioritize everything that's happening around you. And it may not be urgent, it might be urgent, and you may need to do it, but you, you just have this sense of urgency that everything is urgent. And once it ends up happening to a lot of families, and, and, and if I'm just really honest, I think I see a lot of families today in this, in this realm. You get pulled in this direction, and all of a sudden someone else posts something on, on Facebook, and you're like, oh, I get pulled in this direction. And you begin to be pulled in so many different directions that your families end up feeling overwhelmed and honestly, maybe to a point of anxious. So let me ask you again. What's at the center of your family's wagon wheel? Because Jesus would tell us that the problem with placing anything other than him at the center of the wagon wheel is that Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great clash. Jesus is talking here about building our life on two foundations. So whatever you have at the center of your family is what you're building your foundation upon. And Jesus is pointing out to the problem of saying, hey, when I'm not at the center of your family's wagon wheel, what ends up happening is it's like you're building your life, building your family on the sand. It looks real pretty when you go to the beach, right? It seems like it's really secure, but then one day, the storm's gonna come, the rain's gonna fall, the floods are gonna rise, and in those moments, you are going to run towards whatever is at the center of your family's wagon wheel, hoping to find security, because that's what a home is, is a place of security. But the problem with it is that when you run to it in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the chaos, is that the house has been destroyed. And when a house is destroyed, you cannot fix it. You have to rebuild it. So are you building your family on the sands of this world? Or maybe are you like the first person, the wise person that Jesus points out at the very beginning when he says, people who hear these words of mine and do them, put them into practice, are like a wise man or woman who builds their foundation on the rock. Because when you look at the story, they both experienced the same storm. The rains came, the floods rose, everything happened. But when we have Jesus at the center of our wagon wheel, we run to Jesus. And when we run to Jesus, we have peace because he is a refuge in the middle of the storm. And we have peace. Because we're not having to rebuild anything because we didn't build anything to begin with. Jesus did. So what's at the center of your family's wagon wheel? Think about it. Because a, a few weeks ago, I finished a book by Craig Rochelle called Lead Like It Matters. This is a great book. In this book, Craig's talking to um, a, a group of people who are in, find themselves in ministry. But he tells this one particular story. And to actually tell the story, he, he uh, shares a moment from Top Gun. 
Great movie, by the way. Maverick, great movie as well. Top Gun. And in this scene he's talking about is when Maverick and Goose sing, you've lost that love and feeling to Charlie. That's such a cool scene, right? But then Craig said, and asked the question, he says, have you lost that loving feeling? And it was a question to kind of really stir up because then he goes on to tell a story about when he really had a moment in, in, in time where God wasn't at the center of his life and everything was flowing out of the center. His family was out of whack. His life was out of whack, all because he had lost that loving feeling for God at the center of his family. So Craig's really vulnerable in that moment, and then he turns it to me. He says, what about you? Have you lost that loving feeling? And in that moment, the answer was yes for me. In that moment, I, I, I realized that something was off balance in my life, and because something was off balance in my life, something was probably off balance in my family's life. And I realized, man, I was so stressed out. I was so chaotic with whatever was happening in my life. And, and, and in that moment, God used the words of Craig to call out to me and remind me about the choice that I had to, that I could make today. And that choice was, would you return to me? Would you place me back at the center of your family's wagon wheel? You see, the point that I'm trying to get across to us today is simply this, is that the choice you make today influences the family you have tomorrow. Let me say that again. The choice that you make, the choice whether to place God at the center of your family or to not place him at the center of the family will influence, not determine, influence the family you have tomorrow. And for me that day, I had to just simply say, God, if I'm just really honest, you're not at the center of my, of my wagon wheel. And I had to take a step and say, would you just come back and be the center of my family? Would you be the center of my life? So what about you? What's at the center of your family's wagon wheel really? Not what, what you think that I wanted to think, not what you want other people to think, not what you portray on Instagram or social media or anything like that, but what's at the center of your family's wagon wheel? Because I love what Solomon says when he says this in Proverbs 1, verse 20 through 23. He says, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square on top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. You see, I believe that wisdom's calling out to all of us today out in the open and saying to us, to families today, hey, to the family that's hurting and broken right now, to the family who's overwhelmed, to the family that, that doesn't, has lost that loving feeling, to the family 
who doesn't know what to do, to the family who's broken and, and is just looking for whatever. He's saying to us, wisdom saying to us, come to Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus, you find rest for your souls. You find rest for your family. So stop building your lives or your family's lives on the sands of this world and begin and come to me. Come to Jesus and say, God, I want you at the center of my family's wagon wheel. And when we do, what ends up happening is that Jesus begins to place our family on his rock. And he begins to build us. And on this rock, I stand. And on this rock, we have wisdom. So if we want to build our families on the foundations of wisdom, we have to continue to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, every single day, be the center of my life, be the center of my family's life. So will you make that choice today? Because the choice you make today influences the family you have tomorrow. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I just want to take a moment. I want to pray over these families this morning. And God, I just want to, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the opportunity that each and every single day we have the opportunity whether to place you at the center of our lives or not to. And so, Jesus, I just pray today we would make that choice. We would continue to make that choice, that we would continue to follow you. God, I pray for the family that's hurting, that's broken right now, that doesn't know what to do. God, I just pray, Lord, that they run to you right now in this moment. Because here's what I know, that they're not just going to run to you. You're already running to them. God, I pray for the one right now that doesn't actually have a relationship with you. Because the beginning of wisdom is the worship of you. And the worship of you is saying, God, you gave up your life, you bled, you died, you placed yourself on the cross, and three days later, you rose back to life. And because of what you did on the cross, I can have salvation, I can have justification, but because you came back to life, I can now live for you. So God, I just pray over that person right now that hasn't made that decision that today would be the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. We don't wait. We wait and we go today. And we give you our lives. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?